This is Overtired on ESN. From Objective-C to the OC, from Swift to Taylor Swift, we're here with geek and pop culture you can lose sleep over. So how are you doing, Brett? I am. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a long week. Uh, there's been a lot of things going on, but it's been uh, it's been good. What's been going on with you? Well, I, it's actually been like two weeks since we put out an episode, hasn't it? It has. It's been like two weeks. So yeah, I, last time we talked was when we had the amazing Ashley Esqueda on, which was really cool. Esqueda. There's a T-H in there. The D is a T-H. She taught me that first time I had her on Systematic. Esqueda. Okay, Esqueda. gotcha. Esqueda. Esqueda. Gotcha. Okay, see. She'll, she'll love you for saying it, right? <laughs> Esqueda. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so, man, I've I've lost track, but... Like health-wise, I've been doing really well with this whole new health kick thing. I have slept way too much to be doing a podcast called Overtired. <laughs> I, I eight eight hours a night for like what's oh, like two weeks straight now, except for one really bad night that took a few days to get back on track. But overall, wow, it's been amazing. Huh. That's good. That's good. I have had a weird situation where, so um, as we're recording this, it, it is the weekend, it is Sunday, and yesterday, which was Saturday, was the Kentucky Derby and then the uh, Manny Pacquiao-Floyd um, uh, Mayweather fight. And I was at the bar um, during the, the Kentucky Derby, went out to dinner with Grant, had a few more cocktails, came home, roughly passed out for like three hours, woke up. Watched the fight on Periscope, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And I've basically been awake since then. I took like a two-hour nap earlier this afternoon. But I basically had like a three-hour cat nap between like 8.30 and 11.30. And that's basically been my, my, my sleep for most of the weekend, which is really bizarre. But yet I don't feel tired. See, I've noticed that I'm getting way less done. <laughs> but I'm okay with it because I'm feeling way better. I I I still maintain that my most productive time is approximately 24 hours after the last time I slept. But I'm okay with not being productive if it means I live longer. I have been tested. My blood pressure has been tested three times in the last week for various reasons. And I have been in safe levels every time. And I haven't done that for like 10 years. Good. I'm usually good, at good, the, good. Uh, we're required to send you to the emergency room now <laughs> unless you refuse verbally. Right. <laughs> I've had that a couple of times when like my heart rate has been too high and it's yeah. like, raised my blood pressure um, catastrophically, but I think I'm okay for right now. I guess I'll find out once I get the Apple Watch. <laughs> as long as you don't have wrist tattoos, right? Yes. Okay. So this was funny. When I was at the bar last night, I actually saw my first Apple Watch in the wild. And a guy, um, his name is Eric. He works in, well, he used to work in visual effects. Now he works in, in um, experiential stuff. And he was totally our people, Brett, because he had Timer Plus and he had um, uh, Launch Center Pro and Workflow all on his iPhone's app screen. Perfect. Okay, so he's totally one of us. So I noticed this. I noticed his Apple Watch. He had an iPad Air. I think it was an Air 2. He had an iPhone 6 and he had the Apple Watch. And so I was kind of tweeting about him before I actually saw him, before I, I was sitting next to him, before I actually talked to him. I even took a covert photo. And then I got to know him. He was really cool. And But we, one of our bartenders who uh, was African-American had like massive wrist tattoo. So we decided like a, a solid black like band around his arm. So we decided to see 
if this thing did indeed work. And sure enough, it could not get his heart rate at all. Yeah. So I well, took a photo that uh, said um, Apple Watch doesn't care about black people in parentheses with tattoos. Right, because the, the skin pigmentation itself doesn't exactly. affect it. Exactly. It has nothing to do with the skin pigmentation. It has to do with, with, with blocking the light from right. with, ink, with the tattoos. Artificial ink and exactly. scarring. Precisely. So, I mean, obviously, and then I had I had some blowback from a few people who were like, oh, you should imply that because it's it's not Apple's fault. I'm like, I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it's funny. Wow. It's make a Kanye thing. And like it was it was the bartender thought it was. Funny. Yeah, we get it. But it's like uh, I, I think they probably fully realized that that was going to be an issue and made the decision that a small enough segment of users right. would have solid wrist tattoos. No, this is definitely true. I mean, and the thing is, is that he totally could have worn his lower and it would have been fine. And there's some people who, you know, like the guy that first kind of did the video that reported it, he only had like sleeves on one of his, you know, only one of his arms was totally sleeved up. But yeah, I mean, if you're like Travis Barker from Blink-182, yeah, you're probably not gonna be able to wear an Apple Watch. And, and you probably don't care. Yeah, probably not. I mean, well, the thing is, is that I think that it would be one thing if the sensor was only required for the blood pressure, not blood pressure, but for the heart rate stuff. Yeah. But since it's required for so many other sensing aspects, like, that's the like only kind what of else? What else does it affect? Because my assumption was that that only affects health-related apps. And so at, at least 50% of people with wrist tattoos don't are, care, right? right? So it's the health-related stuff, but I think it might also be an issue with Apple Pay. And that hasn't been conclusively shown yet, but Apple Pay knows when it's on your wrist or not. And if it uh. can't get a solid connection, then you probably have issues with Apple Pay. There are some other things too where it kind of gets to know, you know, like if you're lifting things up or down. One of the one of the threads I was reading showed that the guy like it was disconnecting every so often. Hmm. It was having issues with pairing. And so the sensors, that might be something they can they can adapt where they're like, okay, look, we can't get this to read your heart rate because, you know, we can't go through the 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 um, UV, you know, blocking pigments on the ink or whatever. But we could still at least be able to like figure something out in software or, or, or adjust the sensors so that it knows that it's on skin so that you can at least still use Apple Pay. Yeah. Did you see the uh, the body scanner tech from, I think it was Yahoo Engineers made it? No, I didn't. It can, it can do, it can basically do biometric fingerprint scanning with any part of your body. It can learn to recognize like your elbow <laughs> or like, or, or your fist, for example. And and with 99% accuracy, can identify the user based on just about any body part, which could get, you know, risque, but... Right. That, that's, that would that's be really fascinating. a unique identifier. No, uh, it would. I mean, like, like, my elbow right here. No, I mean, that's, that's kind of interesting, because, I mean, that's just, I guess, another kind of angle for, like, a fingerprint. I mean, it may be in some ways better, because then you don't have a database of that sort of important identifiable information that could be used for lots of other things. But right, but then it also means that the NSA could potentially fingerprint dick pics. Oh, that's true. Mm. Mm. That could change the world. That could change the world. I don't know if, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody, like, lock up your Snapchats now because the NSA <laughs> is going to come after you. And that uh, the, the kid who runs uh, Snapchat does not care about your privacy. <laughs> he has proven that time and time again. So, but I was know. thinking like, you know, to work around skin, skin sensing issues with the Apple watch, you could for some applications, not for health applications, but for like identifying for Apple pay and stuff, you could actually put a small camera that could recognize like your face. Yeah. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Then you'd have a camera on your watch though, which kind of, I don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah, that yes, I agree. Um the, I had this idea for you know how like uh you can not saying that I know how, which I don't, but you can scan people's credit cards through their pocket like walking around an airport with an RFID. Yes. So like you you can get like RFID per, per blocking wallets. Yes, and jackets. I have uh, one of those Scotty vest um, uh, sweaters or jackets that has RFID blocking and stuff. There's also there are cards like the size of a credit card that you can just slip into your wallet with your yep. card. But I was thinking it would be kind of cool because uh, I saw this Arduino hack today that it had an RF sensor that just triggered an LED and it was like the simplest hack ever. And I was thinking you could make like not Google glasses, just a regular pair of glasses, but with a tiny LED in the hinge facing your face so that when in the presence of an ARFID scanner, it would just just subtly like alert you. So when you're walking <laughs> around, you know when people are scanning you. That would be really cool. Now, the cool thing would be if you were able to like put it maybe on something in your pocket, so then your pocket starts vibrating. Why would what? I don't know. I like I, mean, the, I, I like the glasses idea. I like yeah, I like yeah. I like the glasses. <laughs> the idea. pocket would thing cool. would be easy enough though. I was thinking then you could just make it Bluetooth and have it hooked to your Apple Watch. Oh yeah, that would be really cool. That would be really cool. Just just a little beep on your wrist, and then you can Someone go find who's scan scanning you. you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Security. I, I've been freaking detected. out about privacy. You know how I used to always say like some people take it too far. Yes. And they're paranoid. I've become that become person now. Person. Yep. What happened? Did uh did the uh, did the RAA come after you again? N- no, I saw Citizen Four. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I uh I I when I saw that in the in the theater last uh, last fall, at a press screening, I was like, it was amazing. Yeah. It's 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 extremely frightening to me, and it's he's a hero. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I feel like erasing myself from the grid, but I'm not. I don't know. Again, it's that tra- that trade off of privacy and yep. convenience. And convenience. Yep. No, it really is. And I mean, I think for most people, I mean, certainly for me, I I take the convenience, but there's certainly troubling aspects. And that film certainly, it was so fascinating. I mean, just the emotional kind of footage. I mean, the fact that like to me, like the most jarring part was when he's in his. I mean, he. He went forward when he went forward knowing that his whole life was going to change, although I don't think that he maybe knew quite to the extent. You know, I mean, I think he was prepared for how it did change, but but it was different than maybe what he had anticipated. But when the press called his hotel room, yeah, that was kind of one of those moments where, like, you know, when the press are able to get through the Wall Street Journal, you know, it's one of those things It's like, yep. Yeah, well, it's – I think my my – the most impressive part of that movie to me was his concern for his loved ones when preparing yes. to come forward. Yes. Like I hadn't even thought about, you know, like if I were busy compiling all of this evidence and planning an expose, I would maybe consider my closest relatives, but I wouldn't have planned it to the extent that he did. And I feel like the, if, if someone was going to take this risk and, you know, ruin their lives to expose something like this for the rest of us, he was the guy to do it because he had yeah, a he lot was. of foresight. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And I, I mean, it was a great thing. I mean, one of the things the film revealed first, um, uh, you know, it was obviously news by the time it came out on HBO. But one of the things the film revealed first was the fact that his, that his longtime girlfriend, like they've been together for like 10 years. So it wasn't like they'd been in some short relationship. You know, they've been living together for 10 years. 
And she didn't know anything. And she was questioned, obviously, and he couldn't really talk to her. But she's now in Russia with him. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, they said in the prologue, I mean, in the epilogue, like, like they show her with him in Russia. She actually was also at the Academy Awards, I guess, like when they were huh. accepting, you know, the I Oscar. I must have missed that. But That's she's in Russia with though. him. Yeah, it is. It is that, that she was able to basically, you know, she's made that decision that she will be an expat and she will be with him, you know, while he's in exile. And that's, that is comforting. That I, I would do that for him. Yeah. <laughs> I would, if someone, if someone close to me took that, you know, took that into their hands, I, I would probably prefer to be with them than, than in well, I mean, uh, and, d- and domestic she, surveillance. And well, totally. I mean, she was, I mean, and that's the thing is like, she would never be left alone. She didn't know anything. Right. She was a ballerina, but like her, she would never be left alone, no matter what happened. If she, hey, didn't some ballerinas know stuff. Well, no, what I mean though is that she wasn't. In, she wasn't in like the security field. Like, she, like her thing was that she was a ballerina. She was a dancer, and but but the this the NSA the CIA never would have stopped looking at every single thing she ever did. Right. Even if she'd broken all ties with him, her entire life, rest of her life, everything would be documented because of her association with him. And so I think. You know, she loved him, and clearly she does. You know, going and being with him, and being in a place where there's a different sort of surveillance, but they have some sort of protection or, or asylum. You know, is a. I think it's it's a comforting thing just because you get to know Ed through that film, at least. You know, an idea of him, and I and see at least my perspective was that you know his intentions were so altruistic. Well, it, what what was amazing was how carefully he planned it so that a he wasn't the the pivotal part of the story yes and b when they made him the pivotal part of the story he could extricate himself from the information he could become you know the the treasonous person that the government yep. would portray him as but not taint the information that he shared exactly. in the process exactly. no exactly and I also, I don't know, I mean, we'll stop talking about the film, but one of my favorite parts was that, you know, how little Glenn Greenwald knew about how to use any of these tools. Yeah. You know, that like literally like he had to be instructed on how to to do stuff, you know, that, that, that he reached out to Laura Poitras because he tried to reach out to Glenn and Glenn hadn't been able to get back <laughs> the right way. He had to show him how to set up Tor. He had to show him how to set up, PGP, you know, yeah. and like, yeah, I mean, and, and that's. Um, I think sometimes in the kind of the narrative of this, I mean, Glenn's a great writer and I don't agree with all of his politics or, or all everything that he's done. But, you know, you kind of like assume that like he's more technical than he is. And certainly I think since, you know, that happened two years ago, he's become a lot more aware and, and a lot smarter about it. But it was it was funny to see just how completely like naive he was with any of that stuff. But it's also interesting to see how easy it really is. Yes. Like, no, it I makes mean, you wonder why we haven't all done those things all along. Well, I mean, Snowden actually made a, a video for Glenn that was later found by the Washington Post showing him how to set up PGP. Yeah. And walking him through the whole steps. And it's basically something like poor journalists is kind of like what it's kind of designed as. And it's like a really great tutorial. Like, it's really well, like, walked through. Like, it's like a very easy to kind of follow thing. And, and I've helped friends and, and ger- fellow journalists you know get started with you know with the gpg on on, on mac and stuff and 
um, you know, there are various tutorials that are out there to do it and, and, and various plugins for mail and Gmail and, and browsers and other stuff. And, and it's, uh, but, but it's funny, you know, like showing people, okay, no, now you've got to get your public key and this is where you want to host it. And this is how you have to make sure that you're signing things. And, you know, and like, that's, it's, it's really, fun. it's, it's interesting, but once you get the hang of it, it's like nothing. Right. Um, it's just getting there that that's difficult. And, you know, obviously I think that, for all the ways I'm freaked out about Google, one of the things that at least is positive, even though they obviously still have all of our information, is that they are pushing to kind of encrypt everything um, that's passing through, you know, different transit streams, which is a, which is good. Yeah. It, it, the, the, the fault in the whole thing is that there has been precedent set for the government to request yes. our information from yes, private has. companies. And and they turn it over. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. those private companies, as Marissa Mayer was, was the first one to be very vocal about the fact that, you know, she can't comment on what they ask for and be transparent because the government will arrest her, will sue her, right. will sanction her company. And but that she is just wants not to. Right. No, it's not. It's like at least like, you know, if you don't want to say all of the things, fine, but at least let them be public and say, we've had these requests and we've fulfilled some of them. Right. You don't want to get into the details, fine. Because there are certain cases where, yeah, you know what, like, you know, when when ISIS and, and 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 other terrorist cell groups and other groups are are truly using these platforms and these things to plan terroristic activities. Yes, it's important to be able to like grab that information and have a paper trail and be able to stop things. And 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 that's one thing if you have like the proper like warrants and the proper like, like point of information. But it should be logged someplace that the companies have received these requests and that they've complied with them. Yes, uh, I don't need to know the details of what the request was. Just that one was made. And, and, and that it was complied with. And that's fine. But it's, I, I talked about this, I've talked about this a number of times, but what's put a lot of the, these companies in such a weird position is that on the one hand, especially companies like Google and Microsoft that have huge Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 clients and are trying to get deep into kind of the enterprise cloud game and get people to trust them with all of their data, all these businesses, is that they've got to convince not just companies in the US, but abroad, that they will protect their data. And that's one of the things I think why Google is going to kind of their encrypt everything model is that they want to be able to have plausible deniability sure. where they can say, we can't actually show you anything because we don't have the keys. Yeah, we, we can I mean, give the, you one way hashes. Sure. Right. I mean, which is kind of what <laughs> Apple does with iMessage. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and which is why the cops hate iMessage. But that doesn't mean, I mean, there's still ways that you can get through things and, and, and there's still, you know, flaws. But anyway. Yeah, that was a weird well, the whole the whole thing's based on fear at that point, though. Like yes. people will accept the the fact that their information can be handed over at any time without their knowledge because they're told that it will save their lives. But it right. has yet to uh, materialize in that fashion. No, I mean not not in the cases that we know of. And I mean, frankly, I feel like I'm sure there are cases where things like that have actually stopped events from happening. And I feel like it would actually be a better it would be better if the for the government if they would actually be transparent about those cases in which that's happened. Well, because yeah, I know and toot their own horn and say, look, it's working, yes, but I don't think it is, or I think they would. No, I mean, I know I know for a fact in the past that they've done things where they literally have uncovered, like people in the CIA and, and, and things have, have found out, like they, they, they found terrorist plots where people used to like plan things inside Gmail drafts, where people would use a drafts like folder like in Hotmail or Gmail and like write in the text and then someone would see it and then they'd erase it and then someone else would come in and type something in and and they were able to figure things out that way there definitely have been there's definitely been precedent where this sort of information has stopped things from happening but 
it hasn't been widely publicized enough and it hasn't happened, I don't think, you know, on a level where they could say, you know, this this is why. And, and, and certainly the ends don't justify the means in all cases. But I think it would go a long way to say in certain circumstances with the right oversight, with the right courts and with the court being, you know, going forward and, and with transparency where the companies involved are allowed to talk about what they've been subpoenaed to turn over. Well, and We've with all of to... those provisions, there there wouldn't be the problem that we have. I wouldn't be as afraid as I am now if all of those provisions were in place. But I, I, right, but on a lighter note, on we, a lighter note, we do have some special guests this week. We do, we do, and uh, so uh, we talked to um, Viviana and Matt from the Tanya Harding Nancy Kerrigan Museum in Brooklyn. So let's uh, let's play some of that then. So. There was this cool, weird thing that happened on Kickstarter back in February where these two freaks of nature decided to put together a Kickstarter to create a Nancy Kerrigan Tanya Harding Museum in their apartment. Why would anyone do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to find out because the two people who did that, Matt and Viviana, uh, are here to talk to us about it as well as so they're going to talk to us about the museum and Nancy versus Tanya or Nancy and Tanya uh, the 30 for 30 documentary that inspired it all and uh, kind of the media tour they've been on but beyond that I think we're also going to you know talk some serious RuPaul's Drag Race and other random pop culture nerdery bits and uh, and Brett you got an app that's out so we'll talk about that too if we get there sure if we get there, sure. Well, no, we're going to make sure we get there because, you know, it's it's your podcast. You should at least pimp your app on your podcast. Agree, Matt and Viviana? Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to totally get there. I feel all like right, it's so, really all about Tanya Harding, though. Yes. yes. I, really, I feel so, like that's why we're here today. You know what? I think that it, it's true, though, because honestly, though, so much of celebrity culture and like like tabloid culture, I would argue, I don't know about what you guys think, Matt and Viviana, but like I think it all goes back to Tanya and Nancy. Uh, yeah, I, could, I mean, I would say that. I think it's something that, like, it, it's definitely, you just remember it because they were presented in these, like, clear descriptions in the tabloids. It was, like, this ice princess and then this trash bag. Uh, yeah. And that's how they were just described. But it really, I mean. Well, she was the trailer trash girl from the other side of the park. Like, she couldn't afford the private lessons. Or if, did you watch the 30 for 30, Brett? I have to admit, I was, um, was binge-watching Game of Thrones all week. I knew you didn't watch them. I gave you homework. You had two weeks to do this, but did you I've know? Never, I've never in my life done homework. Okay, fine. Well, there's I this apologize. Great I do apologize. I'm, I'm ill-prepared. Well, there's this great documentary on Netflix that actually came out last year for the 20th anniversary of the event um, called, what is, it, what is it called? The, the Price of Gold? The Price of Gold by Nanette Burstein. And Nanette's actually coming this weekend to the museum. Mm -hmm. So we're very excited. It's a very real museum now. So tell us about the museum and how you guys like had the idea to start it. Well, first we watched the documentary. In Matt's bed. Yeah. Uh, it was a very cold winter. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't leave the house a lot. Uh, and it enthralled us. Um, and Like one of those things where you like... Uh, you you want to like talk about it? I think this happens a lot with like you watch an old TV show. Like I watched X Files once, and there was a crossover episode between cops and X Files. It <laughs> blew my mind. I wanted to talk about it with everyone, and nobody really had any. They were like, maybe I remember that. But this is like just the moments in the documentary that like really stood out for us. Where you know Tanya, how great an athlete she was, and then Nancy wearing this dress that she wore when she was attacked practice at the Olympics. We can like get into that, but like those are the things we wanted to talk to people about, and nobody had just seen this documentary, so it was sort of very uh, annoying. 
because we all watch things at different times now and it's we're becoming so separate because of it yes no that that like pisses me off because then i can't be like i, I mean brett you're binge watching game of thrones I me mean, thank god you're you're finally catching up thanks to hbo now i guess but like the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt was one of those shows where I was like, mm-hmm. where the hell are you guys? Can yeah, yeah. we talk about this? House yeah. of Cards is that way. It's like, can we talk about this? Yes, yes. And so we create a physical space where that's where people come and we talk about this documentary mm-hmm. from Netflix. And this physical space is your apartment. Yes, it's. we um, moved it in January. It was the first place we saw because we found moving very stressful. <laughs> uh, and it didn't have a living room or closets, and it was not renovated. Uh, it feels like you're living on a boat. Uh, instead of a living room, it's a very long hallway. It's like 25 feet long, mm-hmm. and it would have been wasted space had we not done something with it. I think the initial idea was like, we'll blow up pictures of Tanya and Nancy really big and then when guys come over they'll think it's really cute of us. <laughs> Doesn't impress guys you yeah, see them for some reason. It's very weird. Um, but uh, then I think like Matt works in a museum, so he was like, oh, I'm telling everybody at the museum about Tanya and Nancy. And I was like, hi, you're making the Tanya and Nancy Museum. And it was like 4 a.m. like the next day. I was like, Matt, Matt, now we're going to make a museum. <laughs> and I said yes. And then we just like, uh, Viviana like wrote up the whole Kickstarter, and then I went through and kind of tried to like make more museum-y kind of uh, additions to it and put in like uh, – just like how it would be about the cultural response because it was this like whole moment. Mm-hmm. And then after it went up, we just got tons of people online who also remember this or just love the story or just saw the documentary. Or we're doing plays on it. There's like three different plays on Tanya Nancy right now. <laughs> um, and then all these artists were like, let me make you Tanya Nancy art. And we're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, we met the first person that made, really made it really real was like Lois Elfman, who was a figure skating journalist. And it was the first like internet stranger we met. And we went to like the Upper West Side and we're like, is she crazy? <laughs> and she just gave us all these artifacts, like championship tickets from like when the attack happened backstage passes a pin of original photos of nancy kerrigan and then she like just gave them to us and matt held them because he's more responsible and uh and we're like okay well i guess we're gonna make this really real so So i first heard about this because we wrote about it on mashable um i wish i could take credit for writing about it i did not i did share it and i did donate my five dollars i think i'm a christy yamaguchi Mm -hmm. level uh, supporter um, and I just thought this idea was hilarious. And I was like, I really hope this takes off like the potato salad guy. Um, it did not, it was not that financially successful. No, no, no. no just yeah. enough to make a hallway museum. Just yeah. enough. It turns out it's a little bit more than what we made to make a hallway museum. <laughs> yeah. but we, put- we lost a little bit of money on it. <laughs> <laughs> We've made a lot of new friends, which yeah. is great because as I said, we did not leave the house and do not leave the house a lot. So it's been a great way to meet people. <laughs> and people have been coming over and they've been so cool. And, you know, like we said, they're just talking about this. And a lot of people come over and have just way more knowledge and, like, more details. Like, somebody came over the other day who has been a fan fan of Nancy Kerrigan for, like, his whole life. And he gave us... uh, He gave us a tour of our museum. He gave us a tour of the museum. He also showed us... uh, this like video he had of I think it was one of his relatives <laughs> saw Nancy at a, a mall at a TJ Maxx mm-hmm. and tried to take a picture but couldn't figure out how the phone works so it's video <laughs> of Nancy posing for what she thinks is a, a photo and it's I mean it's, it's so it's so real and yeah. wonderful <laughs> yeah so so Brett um, would you go to see a museum in, in Williamsburg that's dedicated to Nancy and uh, Tanya in someone's apartment. I would go to see what kind of architect would make a hallway instead of a living room. But I'm curious, I'm curious what kind of person, what kind of person in general is a fan of a figure skater? 
Like, uh, what is the personality type that would make someone obsessed their entire life with a figure skater? Well, one thing is that uh, they skate to a lot of, like, Broadway show tunes. So I think that's something that immediately roped me in. Yeah. Uh, I mean... As far as the people we're meeting, um, they're a lot like us, you know? (laughs) Gay guys and the women who live with them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that helps. But is it, like... But no, but is it like people who are obsessed with the drama or do they like the athleticism or do they like the costumes or? There's two kind of kinds. There's yeah. the people who are hardcore figure skating fans mm-hmm. and then there's the people who are a fan of the drama uh, and just like the kind of like um, uh, a kitschy kind of, uh, not kitschy, uh, campy kind yeah. of like um, yeah. uh, offshoots of it. And um, just a lot of people that we would be able to have a conversation with anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why it's made it fun because it's like it's like under this umbrella idea, we would get along anyways. <laughs> so it's like kind of like brings us together. I think the, a good test is that part where the part of the story where Nancy shows up to practice at the Olympics wearing the dress she was wearing when she was attacked and Tanya's in the same rink. And if you tell somebody that story and they're kind of like, oh, okay, then that's like We're one type of person. <laughs> right. They freak out. They're like, oh, my God. See, I get the drama part. I get the uh, – I get I get getting caught up in any kind of pop drama it attracts a lot of people. But the, the phrase – hardcore fan of figure skating i've just i've never i've never run into that before this is new ground for me we found them yeah it was new ground <laughs> for us too but i mean once we like when you watch like tanya land a triple axel there's yeah. a way you don't get chills watching that mm-hmm. it's true and you could just uh, under you could see more why people uh, would see that and then just like want to follow the whole career you know because it's, it's something that was like crazy to watch and it's you know it's something it's like the first time this ever happened uh, you could, Still, the only time an American has ever done it in competition, right? Yeah, and it's because it's like these hardcore athletes, and then you also add on top of that, like the you know the outfits and the music yeah. and like and the and the glamour of that, and um, then their personalities and how they were like so different. It's just oh oh, it's so cool. There's so many so angles cool. to get into. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you guys on your Kickstarter, uh, Viviana, like you put your like there are two types of people. You're either a Tanya. Or Nancy, and let's face it, we're all Tanya's. <laughs> well, that was like we were in bed, and then um, I was like, um, "It sounds like we're a couple in bed." No, we just like watch movies in his bed because <laughs> um, his room's bigger than mine. Um, but like, uh, I was like, "We were like the documentary is so much about Tanya and how cool she is." Yeah. And then Matt was like, "I think I'm more of a Nancy because I have long lines in my body," <laughs> and we really stuck with that angle. So it's like. Um, we will say that like uh, we there are more Nancys out there than we thought there were because um, originally I think we ordered buttons and we got like oh we'll just get uh, not too many Nancys because yeah. we're so into Tanya but then the Nancys have come out and um, they all want size small shirts. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny and, and you said also you've met some Michelle Kwan fans. Yes, yes very apparently serious Michelle, Kwan Michelle Kwan has like some die hard. Like, she's going to be, like, the next first lady is what we heard. Mm-hmm. Explain this to me because I think this is fascinating, Brett. Apparently, Michelle Kwan is married to a senator. From Rhode Island. And she is, uh, from, what it was, from what we were told, I forget who actually told us this, but it was something where she's, it's like a very Macbeth kind of uh, situation where <laughs> this person's going to become the president no matter what, and Michelle Kwan <laughs> will be the next person. <laughs> maybe I made that up in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> is that what Macbeth is about? Oh, I don't know. It seems well, like kind of. I mean, like, what, what, like the, well, I mean, Macbeth is like, Lady Macbeth is like, you will be the senator. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. will do this. I mean, basically think like, Claire Underwood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, but like the but the Mich- 
because the Michelle Kwan fans are like they as far as they're concerned, she was like the end all of figure skating. And right. the people come over and just make us watch YouTube videos of that. And it's mm. like and that's when we're like, okay, it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing we have a hard time with um, asking people to leave. It's very <laughs> There's always that awkward moment when it's like, okay, we've done this now. <laughs> so how do you handle that? Um, we're just gonna like smile. We like we give them. We try to give them something, <laughs> and then uh, it's it's, uh, it's it takes a lot of emotional energy to talk about the same story over and over again. Um, but a lot of times, like we'll meet somebody cool in there, and then we'll get really excited again, mm -hmm. um, and then we have like a burst of energy. But then, like you make it to the end of the hallway, and then we're just then we go to our living room, and there's like no chairs, and like we're all just standing <laughs> in the kitchen, and we're like, do you have to use the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> there's like a video display, so I feel like most of the tours end with us just kind of like going through YouTube to watch different routines. Because uh, we had the ones we have up are Tanya Lane, Triple Axel, and Nancy at the Olympics. But then last night we had somebody who showed us uh, Nancy in 1994 at the World Championships. Which is very cool. Where she skates to Miss Saigon. Yeah. Oh, I've seen died. that. I've seen so the, 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 the costume. Yeah. It's amazing. What's really interesting to me is that, um, and, and, and maybe this will be interesting to you, Brett, just in, it won't be, but, but I don't <laughs> care. Um, Basically, the the Tanya Nancy thing was like the last time that like adults were in figure skating, if you think about it, because the whole oh, sport yeah, has gotten so yeah. much younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like their last year, they were like, like 23. Exactly, because Oksana won and she was 16, and mm -hmm. that was basically starting the whole younger generation thing. But by the time Nagano happened in 98, mm -hmm. you know, with, with Tara Lipinski and Michelle Kwan and, and those people, like it's just gotten progressively younger. Yeah. And what's interesting to think about, I don't know, I, I thought about this the other day. In an alternate reality, where if the whoever the international figure skating, whatever they are, whatever they're called, if they had some for some reason said Nancy can't compete and Michelle Kwan, who got second at nationals, took her place, what that would have done to kind of change the nature of the sport? Because Michelle Kwan was like thirteen or something, wasn't she? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's I can't even honestly just thinking about them going through all of this. Cause it's they were very young at the time, twenty three. But if they were even younger. I mean, that would have been a. They would. Have, I can't imagine anybody that age handling like the type of pressure that. Oh yeah, but but it's funny because I remember. Do you guys remember watching the 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 Olympics in '94 when it happened? Vaguely, we were like six and seven. Yeah, really, yeah. I just remember the name Nancy and and hearing like my mom talking about it. Um, yeah, I was eleven, and did you watch Brett? Did you no? You were like deep in your like drug punk phase then, right? <laughs> I, no, I remember this whole thing happening. But did you watch it on TV? Is what I'm saying. I, I don't remember. What year was that? 94. <laughs> 94. Yeah, I probably did. I probably did. Okay. So this was before your drug punk thing. Yeah, this would have been, you know, what, I was still at home. This was high school. This caused his drug punk thing. <laughs> <laughs> this, was, this was the beginning of it all. Well, I was in fifth grade, and I remember watching, obviously, like 81 million other Americans. It was mm -hmm. what's, it's still like one of the highest-rated television moments ever. Was was the finals of Nancy and, and Tanya at the Olympics, mm -hmm. um, primetime on CBS, and I remember watching. And at this point, I was kind of secretly rooting for Tanya, even though clearly the media like made her out to be the villain. It's very brave. Of you. And cool. I wasn't cool. like outwardly maybe, but I was kind of rooting for her because I watched. Um, there was this uh, show called A Current Affair. It mm -hmm. was kind of like extra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I um, would watch the tabloid stuff on that. And this was obviously right before OJ started to happen. And I was really into uh, Lorena Bobbitt was happening at this time. Mm -hmm. The Menendez brothers had ended. Like I was really, really into my. It was such a oh. 
I was so into my tabloid trash at yeah. that time. Like I was that age where that was like my my jam. But I remember watching the Olympics with my older sister and with my mom and I think my dad too. I think we all were watching. And obviously, you know, Tanya's whole boot incident, we were like, mm-hmm. oh, she just wasn't ready and whatnot. And who knows if she really was just had a panic attack or what happened. But it felt so bad for Canada because Canada had to go out early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Canada mm-hmm. ended up having a really lousy show. And then, you know, Tanya still did terribly anyway, even though she had the Jurassic Park music. And Nancy was fine and we all expected her to win. And then I remember this girl in this pink outfit from the freaking <laughs> Ukraine comes out. <laughs> and I remember turning to my sister and going, holy crap, she's really good. And my mom was the one who called the first. And she, my mom was like, she's going to win. And I was like, no, they're going to give it to Nancy after everything. But she probably should win. And I, mean, I didn't keep up with figure skating. I didn't know any of that stuff. Just from what I watched on TV, I remember thinking, oh, Oksana was actually better, in my opinion, And back then. And then I will never forget the moment when I knew that I hated Nancy Kerrigan. And it was when the mic caught her during the, the ceremony. I was like, I don't understand why we're waiting here. She's just going to cry her makeup off anyway. And I remember just thinking, like, bitch, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, no, 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 no. You don't get to say that. We have a whole part of a museum dedicated to that moment and that reaction. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was, you, what, was, what was you guys' reaction? Because my reaction to that, that and also when she, like, I don't care about talking smack about Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. and that sort of shit. But, like, when she got caught being like, oh, she's just going to go cry her makeup off anyway, I was like, you sore losing bitch. Like, what the hell? We think, like, we honestly, like, think, and I think that was, like, very much, like, the reaction that you had, like, live when it was happening. Yeah. But I think looking back, like, looking at what she came back from, you know, she sure. attacked and like she just worked so hard to like get there. And then like she just had a human moment where she didn't think she was being recorded. That's true. You know, That's was, true. I mean, because if it had happened to me and I didn't think it was being recorded, I would have gotten so red in the face. I would have picked have, something. It would have been a Michaela Maroney like I would have lost my fucking mind. <laughs> and it's like, and it's, I think like the, the reaction to her, like just like having a human moment, which was like such a huge backlash is like further shows like how they're like put in these boxes like you're like you're like our princess and like you will you will you will be fair and wonderful you know and then you're a, you're a trash bag and you yeah. don't you you know we'll just watch your sex tape and blah 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 and you're like you're a piece of shit whore you know <laughs> and it's just like I mean it's like and then so if they step out of those boxes and it's like oh no it's like you know? shocking yeah yeah yeah, I guess, and that's a really fair point. I just remember at the time thinking, like, you have one job, and that's to keep your mouth shut when you're on the podium. Like, if you're a professional athlete, like, a lot of professional athletes, I mean, that's part of your whole thing. I mean, I know technically amateur or whatever, but, like, if you're, this is what you're doing, like, it's, like, your one job, like, to, mm-hmm. to lose gracefully. Well, that's just, like, one thing. I mean, I don't know anything about sports. But, <laughs> but I will say, like, watching the documentary, like, immediately, like, responding to Tanya's story, mainly because of, like, the confidence, I just think was so, like, I, I have none of that confidence like in myself so when right. I see somebody who has so much of it it's like fascinating and then seeing Nancy like being at the Olympics and being pissed off that you got a silver medal is like a level of confidence that's like shocking and I feel like when I see that that I'm like I'm just like not then once I saw that I was like oh I like Nancy again now too because it was like that it's just those those moments where it's just like something that is so crazy to me and like uh, I remember hearing this story of like at the Oscars Eddie Murphy lost when he was nominated oh yeah he Girls, left like a bitch and he left I just like like I can't get over stories like that. There's another <laughs> figure skater, Surya uh, Bonali, who like uh, she got a silver medal and then refused to stand uh, on the podium to accept it and like ripped it off because I just like she was just like 
Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> see, I deserve the gold. <laughs> see, I come from, like, I, I grew up, like, acting as a kid. And, like, I like I don't know. I guess it's part of life. Like, you lose. And you you lose like a winner. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. how I was brought up. Like, yeah, you know, but like, when you're young and you your entire life has been geared towards winning, when everyone has told you that you have to bring home a gold and, like, nothing else matters, you spend that much time, you know, every week, every day training – I can imagine, you know, for a young person emotionally to just flip out if you don't. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, she was 23, so I don't give her as much of a pass. Like, Mm -hmm. like, like Michaela Maroney, like, I'll give a little more of a pass because she was like 15 or whatever. (laughs) Like, if you're 23, I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe just fake it a little more. But 23 and clearly emotionally stunted. Well, true. More like 13 emotionally. That's true. That's true. I will give I will give Nancy way more of a pass than I will ever give Eddie Murphy. I thought that was a bitch move. And one of the many reasons I was glad he ended up not hosting the Oscars the year oh, that he was going right. to. I was like, you were a little bitch and you lost to Alan Arkin, as you should have, because he was better in Little Miss Sunshine than you were in Dreamgirls. Sorry, yeah. the only person who was good in Dreamgirls was Jennifer Hudson. So I want to talk real quick about this uh, Stretch Link app that you just launched, Brett, yes. before we get into more pop culture. So t- talk to us about your app. Well, it's um, it, it was a simple project that was going to take me five hours, and uh, and I did it in five hours. But then I decided to release it, and that took, uh, I think forty hours, uh, just to add in like auto updates and and sales mechanisms and all that. And so n- I put it out at like two dollars with a ninety nine cent intro rate, and all it does is watch your clipboard. And every time you copy like a, a link from Twitter, where you get that like t.co. So it t- you, you click the Tico link and then it takes you to a redirect that goes to a redirect and Facebook and Google both do the same thing. So this sits in your clipboard and when it sees that you've copied one of these shortened links, it will go and find the ultimate destination and put that back in your clipboard for you. So when you share it with friends, you're not giving them, you know, unlabeled redirected URLs that, you know, you can't tell where they go to until you click them because that was just an annoyance for me. So I fixed it. I like so basically, it like prevents like you from having to have like nasty like gross links all over your right. It also strips out like Google Analytics and Hootsuite analytic query strings, and yeah, it's just it makes things friendlier, and it's the kind of thing that you don't have to think about. If you turn on the clipboard watcher, you don't even have to remember it's there. You copy a link, you'll paste a good one. That's clean. I like that clean clean links. Nice, nice. Well, I just bought it from you. So how much does it cost, and where can people get it? Uh, right now, intro price for the entire month, 99 cents, and you can find it at stretchlinkapp.com. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it is. I just I just made the site. I don't remember. Um, and, and yeah, like right now, it's only available directly. I do intend to submit it to the App Store, but I'm not sure yet how Apple will uh, view me modifying the clipboard in place. Right, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. That this might be one of those that they don't let in the app store because of um, how it interacts with stuff. But they might. You never know. And so honestly, um, at ninety nine cents after a thirty percent take, minus taxes, I would make like I think ten cents per sale anyway. So it's not. Yeah, it might not be worth it. <laughs> it's so not make or break cents. for me. So ninety nine cents for the month, and then it, how much is it going to go up to? Five hundred dollars. A dollar ninety nine. A dollar ninety nine. It's fifty percent off right thing. now. This is a great utility. I'm glad that you're uh, doing this. Um, I just bought it, so yeah. Thanks, thanks, Christina. Yeah, you're. You, uh, I mean, you know, I'm gonna give you my 99 cents, dude. <laughs> you're my podcast co-host. I sold a few hundred copies today, and made a wow. total of like seventy dollars. 
<laughs> wow, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, are you going to go out and have a nice uh, dinner at Outback Steakhouse or Red Lobster? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Neither, I, did I tell you I went back to vegetarian? You had said that you were going to do that. Okay, so obviously Red Lobster is out, but you know. You pretty much it, when you live in a small town, there are limited vegetarian options. So basically, uh, Soylent. Okay. Yeah, but you enjoy. <laughs> you can, you can come up I think enjoy right? is a strong word for a flavorless milkshake, but Are you guys familiar with Soylent? No. no. Okay, so tell them about Soylent, Brett. It's um I don't know how they phrase it in the tagline, but it's basically a a powder that you mix with water and shake up and drink and it gives you all of the nutrients. It's not a diet drink. It's not like a diet shake. It's it's actually a substitute for a full meal. And it's, it was designed for people like me who code at their computers for eight, you know, eight, 20, 30 hours straight and forget to eat. And it's a way you can just drink while you're coding and get a full meal. Yeah. So you like get a full meal. You don't have to go and eat anything. You get all your nutrients, all your calories and stuff. And um, there are a lot of people, um, mostly in San Francisco, um, but some people in Bonona, Minnesota, who like they primarily have Soylent rather than food. Oh, because there's no time to stop. Oh, not even just like a breakfast thing and then meals later? It's like Some people might. You can, but you I mean, can do whatever you want. But for me, like right now my wife's out of town on a an ASPCA deployment and I I don't enjoy cooking more than once a day. Mm-hmm. But I also don't enjoy frozen pizza. So this just mm-hmm. lets me kind of forget the whole situation. It does sound easy. It sounds easy. We um we had we stopped getting groceries. Uh, then we had Amazon deliver us some groceries. Right. But then they, they we did it once and they still left the Amazon um, packs there that's taking up our entire living space. She's saying that she, we got groceries on Amazon. <laughs> she got like three pineapples, <laughs> <laughs> like a coconut milk, and then like uh, we a We didn't eat any of it. <laughs> and then a case of Diet Coke. A case of Diet Coke. <laughs> you guys don't use Fresh Direct? Uh, uh, no, because no, Amazon, Amazon tricked me into getting Prime because I yes. didn't know it was $100. And then <laughs> but I'm, it's for the whole year. I know, but like, I just like I just like wasn't ready to commit. The Americans is on it. It's Scandal is on it. The Good Wife. There's so many good shows. Well, we do love shows. But then here, but then you're like, oh, I spent $100 on it. I'm going to I'm going to use so much Amazon that I'm going to show them. <laughs> and then, so I was like, I'm never going to everything Amazon. <laughs> no, I buy everything from Amazon. Yeah. I have like a standing order for like toilet paper and paper towels and yeah. like grocery bags because they'll do the you can have like um delivery automated to come like every month or whatever, but like a certain amount of stuff. What yeah. I love is that like with the groceries, they'll leave it outside your door and not bother you. Yep. So you don't even have to wake up and open the door. Which and it's just like it's just sitting out there. I love that. Totally. Frustrate, I do have to open the door for them, but they will climb up all the stairs, whereas Amazon won't always climb up the stairs. Yeah, but then you have to talk to someone, you know. Which is fine though, because at least Fresh Direct can just open the door. And I'll be like, I'm. I don't care about my underwear. Just drop it off, dude. Yeah, but they have boxes. You got to break down the boxes. And That's you gotta, true. Matt's got to carry the boxes down. That's true. You do have to break down the boxes. Stop making more work for Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so see, um, no, no, you can't do. Fr- do you have any delivered grocery stores in um, Minnesota, Brett? I I don't even know. I I live. I can drive uh, five minutes and be at a co-op or at Target or at a community-owned grocery store. See, you, you don't need this stuff. Whereas we, mm. like, I rely on Seamless and Fresh Direct yeah. and Amazon uh, Grocery or whatever it's called, Amazon Fresh. Yeah. I keep predicting that Amazon's going to buy Fresh Direct. 
Hopefully. It'll just make it one big thing. Exactly. Just bring me my things. You well, know? you know, Amazon is like, maybe they've already built it, but don't they have like some huge headquarters in like Williamsburg? No, it's in Long Island City, Fresh Direct. Um, no, 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 Amazon. Amazon? Amazon's oh, like know. opening some huge building. No, I know Long Island, I know Fresh Direct's in Long Island City. Yeah. Yeah. I used to live right by there. I, I think that once we've uh, once we've cured cancer, we really need to put some time into both teleportation and the replicator. Because well, I don't I don't mind talking book. if I just have to say like computer Earl Grey tea, oh, and it's that there. Sounds great. Really have you seen really Have you seen the Amazon Dash buttons? Mm -mm. No. So this is insane. And at first, we genuinely thought it was an April Fool's prank, but it actually is real. So they have these buttons that um, are for brands, like for Bounty or for Tide or for other stuff. And when you notice you're getting low on something, you press a button, and it is a Bluetooth sensor um, um, that is paired with your phone, and it will interpret the signal and then send a message to your phone through the Amazon app and order whatever you pressed on the button. Why do I need a button? Why can't my toilet paper just sense that I'm near the end of the roll and order itself? That will be the next thing that happens, See, Brett. that's how children of men happen. Yes, well, and that actually, everywhere. and actually, Brett, that would not be difficult to do. Like, you no, just it wouldn't. Use, no, I mean, just have one of those, um, what, what are they called? Um, shit. Um, beacons. You just have a beacon sensor attached inside the roll, and once it's been triggered, or once it gets to a low point, it just you know, sends off something through Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or whatever and orders it. That It'd be super simple. They have, In 10 years, they have refrigerators have that. that track their own stock and reorder food now. Yes. yes, Samsung has them, and so does LG. I've seen them at CESs many times. I think Yolanda from the Beverly Hills Housewives, her fridge does that. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Yolanda totally would do that. And um, to bring I this met... full circle, though, I really think those housewives, the real housewife shows, all yes. go back to the Tanya and Nancy scandal like i feel like the oh. public really got a taste for that blood yeah that, i that agree bitchy completely. back and forth like in that era and people are like hey we could script this we could make it yeah. real yeah it's true because there's always like roles that they play on the housewife shows yeah. like it's like uh like no team brandy what, i'm sorry oh 100 yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. we feel crazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know i feel crazy i was like <sighs> <laughs> but like um like they were asking us like who's the modern day sports showers yeah. of Tanya and Nancy and we're like do not ask us any sports questions <laughs> and they're like modern day celebrities like can we do housewives and we said Brandy Glanville and Lisa um and Liz Vanderbilt yeah, absolutely I met Lisa once oh was it Whoa. insane it was insane so I was going on John King live on CNN this was like four years ago and she was on HLN. I was on CNN. She was on H or H. Yeah, she was on HLN. I was on um, as CNN. So I was actually on the bigger network. Mm. Go me. <laughs> um, and she was with uh, this guy, Rob, who used to be the editor in chief of Us Weekly and of Page Six and some other things. And they were on to talk about the royal wedding mm -hmm. and how Fergie hadn't been invited mm -hmm. and why Lisa was there to talk about the royal wedding. I think, I guess, because she met Fergie at a party once. I don't know. But we were in the green room together and we were in makeup together. And her husband was there with the little dog. And we talked, and she was very nice. But then I mostly gossiped with Rob, the the um, gossip editor, who and and she also actually, although Lisa did tell me about um, who was a uh, Camille, uh, um, um, uh, 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 yeah, about how she would get how she like crashed some party she wasn't invited to and was a total drunk mess. Oh my god! And I was like, amazing, Camille sucks. Um, <laughs> But no, I totally am like a team Brandy yeah. at this point. Yeah, I mean, especially after Celebrity Apprentice. Yes. Oh, oh my God. God. Did you watch Celebrity Apprentice, Brett? I don't even know what that is. 
<laughs> oh my god celebrity princess is such a good show it was and i'm so glad lisa won yeah i was so glad lisa yeah. won oh, for all the so digits. classy like first so class. class so classy oh. and and it's funny because brandy and vivica a fox became like total bffs oh my god and yeah. i love that because what was her face the bitch from atlanta she was insane kenya she kenya moore she's okay so this bitch from atlanta oh, kenya moore gate. she stole vivica fox's phone and tweeted that vivica was going through menopause yeah, and then and this the was room. actually in the boardroom and brought it up to Donald Trump. This was actually on a television show where celebrities are like competing for charity money. Like it's insane, Brett. It's so nasty. This is exactly has- the part in real life where I would I would excuse myself from the party and just walk out the door <laughs> very quietly. <laughs> but you can't because you're talking to us. I know, and, and it would be just so rude. It would be rude. Tell but- me you at least saw the Joan Rivers season. Uh, Epic. No, no. She had this Fanny Duke. So great. She was like, she was like, darling, if you, if how dare you insult my daughter? She's like, you're a poker player. You're a poker player. A poker player. My daughter's so classy. (laughs) (laughs) And Melissa Rivers had like a broken leg, and she's like, or she's like, where's my phone? (laughs) So great. Okay, so this actually is the punkest wallpaper ever. Yeah. So describe what we're seeing, Brett. Well, it's part of a series that I'm publishing tomorrow. Uh, okay. I, I, I dove back into my graphic design side. Sorry. And nice. uh, and I basically started, I, I've been making just all of these typography-based wallpapers from lyrics uh, from classic rock and punk. And so I started to do one from... Uh, Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols and I got the I want to be part and then I realized the I could turn into a black flag logo and then I want to be is also repeated in the Ramones I want to be sedated as a classic line so I made a poster uh, yep. so I made one wallpaper that encompasses black flag, Sex Pistols and the Ramones that's so much. That's it is cool. amazing. And it's done in a way that like this is like wallpaper that like you could put on your desktop and background. It's um, my wallpaper right now on the computer I'm using. Um, I will put this in the show notes is Slater Kenny Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Which is amazing. Let's that see I've this. seen. This Ooh, Bob Burgers. Ooh, it's very cool. <laughs> so from, that from, is very so cool. So from, from, from the Slater Kenny music video starring the Bob's Burgers kids, and that is my, uh, that's my bo- wallpaper. Although at home, my wallpaper is Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss. Um, oh, yeah. um, th- with the one where they've got their arms over each other. They're best friends. They are, and they're amazing. And maybe more. Uh, although recently it looks like she's with Calvin Harris officially because he had Instagram photos of her cats. I heard that. I also heard that when she released her album, she like had people over at her apartment, Taylor Swift. Yes. And when they all got there, Carly Kloss was like, I'm just leaving. Carly's like, I don't want to deal with these fans. Yeah. <laughs> just like a gift for everyone. <laughs> oh, have you seen the photos of their fourth of July parties? Yes, it's amazing. Oh. We're talking about Taylor Swift again. Um, Brett, which as, as it should be. As we should be, because we talk about from Swift to Taylor Swift. Um, what did you write your app um, uh, stretch link in? That's it's Objective C, but I really it should have been in Swift. I really need to get better at Swift. Okay, it's a small enough app. You should have like used it as an opportunity for Swift. I absolutely should have. <laughs> so here's a question for you. Um, it's my turn to to bore uh, Viviana and and Matt now. Um, 
Microsoft announced this week a bunch of new developer tools, including basically an Atom, based on Atom, the GitHub editor, they actually released a Visual Studio editor for Mac. Go figure, crazy. Um, but they also are like gonna make it easy for or easier for developers to bring their Objective C and their Android code to Windows. You heard about that? I no, actually, I didn't. Which now I feel like twice as out of the loop because I don't, I don't have the uh, the pop culture chops this week. No, you. And don't. I also don't know what you're talking about right now. I feel stupid. I feel old <laughs> and stupid. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that I think we have our show title actually now. I feel old and stupid. Um, how, 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 make it specific. Brett, Brett is old and stupid. Okay. Don't, don't think us so that. They're very young. No, this very is true. Young. They're young and beautiful, oh, um, like like Lana Del Rey. Um, here's a uh, here's here's my question though. What would it take for you to actually be willing to port any of your code? over to Windows? Like what would have to happen for you to even consider porting any of your code over to Windows? I, I guess first, Apple would have to piss me off really bad. Because okay. I, right now I have absolutely no reason to care that Windows exists. And when I do have to use it, I find it infuriating. So the okay. only reason I would dig into it far enough to actually get uh, you know, any, any love for it, I would have to first Apple would have to disappoint me enough to look elsewhere. Gotcha. So Microsoft could right. do everything in their power, and I, I, I'd probably still be pretty loyal to Apple unless they dick me over. So not even like a dump truck of money? Mm. Well, everyone has a price. Everyone <laughs> has a price. Um, what have you watched on a TV or Netflix this week since your wife is out of town? So that means lots of uh, TV time. Well, I like I said, I, I got through four seasons of game of thrones since last we talked you started um, from the beginning yeah oh yeah. Good i, I, I never got into it but i watched it all in a row and so because you're on hbo now right yep yep and uh How do you i can't remember what else i've been watching undateable and oh oh you know what i watched the inside amy schumer the latest season yeah was so good yeah, I, she, her humor has finally matured to a point where she's not just making kind of feminist gestures. She's actually taking some serious katana swipes with her feminist comedy. It's not it's not just observational anymore. It's I, I loved it. It was great. No, I totally agree. She she's really kicking ass lately. Did you see her um, um, on the red carpet with Kanye and uh, Kim Kardashian where she literally started groveling at their feet? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but that's good. And, and she started groveling at the feet, and Kim's just kind of looking amused. Kanye's just lo looking straight ahead, like he doesn't oh even see her. Oh my god! Like when you see like a homeless guy. Is that yeah, exactly. Because yeah. she was doing this at the time, one hundred gala. Oh, that's so hardcore. That's, awesome. that's hardcore. So, so you started over with Game of Thrones. So, what are you thinking so far? So, you're you're through four seasons. So, I, I love it. I think it's uh, I think it's possibly some of the best story writing. And I know that there's a book to, a book series to go along with it. But I think the story writing is just amazing. Like my mind is constantly like imagining a season ahead, you know, when different wars and conflicts all conflate and uh, hmm. and just trying to predict like what's going to happen. And then right when you think you got it figured out, they kill like the pivotal character that would have made that work. And I, I like the fact that pretty much everyone you get attached to uh, gets their throat slit or impaled on a stake or their head removed and keeps the story moving nicely. 
I feel like uh, I feel like teen soaps could use more of that. This is true, actually, I and mean, that's one of the reasons why Teen Wolf is so much fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I kid, or Vampire Diaries, I guess. But that's why Buffy was good, right? Because you know there was death. Oh, Buffy was so great. Buffy was so great. I started rewatching it again, just like in a, in a lull. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I recently also rewatched all of SVU from the beginning. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's hardcore. It was very hardcore, and then like in the early episodes, yeah. it's like Benson's like rock climbing. It's yeah, so nineties. It is so nineties. What's weird about the beginning of SVU is that while they were filming SVU, um, both Christopher Milioni and um, Dean Winters, who was on the first two seasons of SVU, were also both starring on an HBO show called Oz, which yes. takes place in prison. Oh yeah, and they're playing bad guys. <gasps> so and also, um, uh, who's who's the Asian? Beanie Wong, and he did like a musical thing there, right? Yeah, but he was also uh, he was a, a priest on um, Oz. Oh my so, god. So like they're like half the cast of SVU was also on Oz. Yeah. At the same time. And it was bizarre because on one hand you see on Oz, Christopher Milioni is like this bisexual sociopath who like kills people. I can see that. And then on SVU, he's like fighting the oh very God, people yeah, that he's yeah. going for. And then same thing with Dean Winter where literally he's like Ryan, Ryan um, O'Reilly is like the best character on Oz. He's so good. Um, but then he's just kind of like this weird like, – he's like Munch's like weird like partner on um yeah, yeah, yeah on yeah. SVU. Um Oh my god. I remember Oz when I was like really young watching it and I just remember that Chris Maloney was bisexual and I just this is like before I had a computer, any access, any porn, and I was just like, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not, not only was he bisexual, but he was like in a very torrid love affair with this top IS feature and like there were many opportunities where you saw both of them naked and making out. Was it the one scene he like gets a blowjob from somebody, yeah. but then it like he like breaks their neck and yep. I just don't remember like watching it because I like re would rewind him and like, <laughs> oh no, I just have to stop it before he gets to that point. <laughs> this is the best I got, but I want to see him bring his neck. Uh, <laughs> so, we're oh, gonna man. be uh, Benson and um, Stabler for Halloween last year, and Matt was like, "I can't, I can't be that hot." <laughs> 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 yeah, she's hot. Coats. So, so, so you guys are also Game of Thrones fans? He's yeah. not, but I am. Um, yes, 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 yes. Was that a yes? <laughs> yeah, that was a yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so are you now caught up to Game of Thrones? Are you all the way through? Are you all the way caught up, or? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I am waiting to start season five for my wife. Uh, but she, okay, gotcha. she, because HBO now is portable, she may be watching it in a hotel room, in which case I will join her over the internet. And so, yeah, I'm like four seasons behind, uh, four, four episodes behind now. <laughs> very true love. Yeah. That is love, watching shows together in hotel rooms over HBO now. Um, are you guys now, do you guys subscribe to cable or? Or are you or are you cord cutters? What's your deal? We had HBO go for a minute, but then his parents changed cable providers, so we have to get a new login. Yeah, but we had it for just the right amount of time. time we were going clear in the jinx. Yeah, um, and then we have Hulu and Netflix. Yeah, yeah. There's something else we have. Um, what well, Amazon Prime? And Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're set up. Yeah. We do not have to leave our house. Is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> we choose not to, for the most part. So what, so what do you guys do for your day job? So Matt, you said you work at a museum? Yeah, I'm a tour guide. Um, and I've been a tour guide in the city since like I graduated. I started on the double-decker buses that go around. 
which are, there's like two different kinds. There's the red ones, which are really nice. And then there's the disgusting ones. And those are the ones I worked for. <laughs> okay. So, so, so basically what's the difference between the red ones and the disgusting ones? Uh, the red ones are, the buses were made like in the last 10 years. The other ones, the buses uh, could have been made at any point in history. Uh, and they like, uh, <laughs> they were found somewhere. <laughs> they give you microphones that they would be old, but they don't make the microphones to plug into the bus anymore. So like one time mine broke and I had to go meet somebody near Times Square in a park to get the actual microphone. And it was like a drug deal they were like, <laughs> don't like bring it up because uh, I think he worked for the other bus company it was a very shifty thing and then uh, we had like um, the bus drivers were in this like hole in the front they couldn't hear you when you'd be like we're gonna have people getting off the next stop so they just bypass stops and people would be stuck on the bus and then they'd oversell tickets so like at the end of the day you'd be going home the doors would open you have to tell people that there's no more room and they'd like spit at you <laughs> they, were, they were like they've been waiting there for so long so it was a very the, the company was uh, very um it was not the best place uh, to be. <laughs> okay, so so you stopped doing that and then started doing like your museum uh, tour guides. Yeah. Do you get? Do you ever like say like fake facts about things? Do you ever like try to just like fuck with people if you're bored or like it's slow? Well, one thing on the when I did the buses, you found out like people responded mostly to tips or like to, that gave you tips. People that gave you tips responded to celebrities. So like if you told them that somebody lived somewhere. That, or that you saw a celebrity or that there was somebody on the street, they would love that and then they tip you more. But I was like scared to really lie because people would just make shit up and be like, Jennifer Aniston lives here. Uh, and I started very like low stakes and I'd say like, oh, there's Olympia Dukakis. <laughs> 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 it was like, uh, I thought that that was like to me more comfortable because I, like, I couldn't just say like certain things that people were saying and I still had like a lot of history in there that they did not want to know. So well, I think and it's people most... will tip to prove that they know what you're talking about, and it's a way to cover up the fact that they have no idea who you're mentioning. Yeah. This is true. This is true. They're like, "Oh, he's right. I did know this fact." Yeah. <laughs> now, what? Do you, what about you, Viana? What do you do? I work the front desk at a midtown hotel, so I check businessmen into their hotel rooms and occasionally check them out. Uh, do you get to see seven years? Seven years. Do you get to see any good like? Fair stories like do you know like when somebody's coming in like with a hooker or like with like oh um, yeah they're just so fucking shameless about it too <laughs> this one guy came in and it was like I used to I worked overnights for years so I just had a lot of disgusting stories but just like this one guy came in with with a hooker and she just kept on wanting to know about free breakfast and he <laughs> was like oh can you put my wife's uh I was about to say the company name, <laughs> rewards number <laughs> on file because he wanted to get the free breakfast. And then I, he was, I was just being, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> they live like a couple blocks away, so you know he has a house near here. And then, um, yeah, uh, everyone's gross. <laughs> uh, and it's like, and like, um, and then like, I've got like a cheery personality, you know, and it's like customer service. So like, and it's like just like a lot of like, it's a big box hotel with like a lot of like businessmen and stuff. So they just love to like teach me, you know, like, I'll like, I'll just like. Uh, they'll just like they just they just want to put you in your place constantly, especially because I think it's like a hotel's at a price point where it's like okay, it's not like you're buying a shirt; you're spending like um, a couple hundred dollars on something. So they want like their full experience, but we're like um, very much like a um, a conference hotel, so it's like it's like um, like a factory, and then so it's just like uh, just a lot of energy uh, from these people who like are traveling and hate traveling, and it's like it's like ugh, it's gross. <laughs> But it's, it's a good place to work. I'm glad I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that happened when you guys, like, obviously did this museum is you got, like, tons of media covers. Like, we covered you guys. I think BuzzFeed did, didn't they? Or did... I don't know about BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed, we got Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. 
um, uh, well, it was the Gothamist, like, took Gothamist. Him and they put photos Jezebel. of the museum, which was cool. You were on a thing about Selena with Fusion, right? Oh, yeah, yeah we actually, uh, we did an interview um, with Come Here and Come Here and Say That, Alicia Menendez's show about the museum, and then they had us on, they're having us on regularly now as um, Netflix correspondents, which nice. is very much up our alley, yeah. because we get to just watch something and then go in and talk about it. And so we got to see Selena, and then we're going to be um, on there Wednesday the 6th, reviewing the Full House reboot. Awful idea. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're just like ready to like. I'm um, sorry. Who cares about the meth head, Kimmy Gibbler? Who you know what she does in real life right now? What? Tell us. She is obsessed with the new kids on the block, and she literally like follows them around and like goes to all their concerts. I'm She's sorry. Like, what? To this, and, in this real life, to this and, day, today? Andrea Andrea Barber is a new kids on the block super fan. Look it up. Is that abnormal? Day. Yes. I don't, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It was either that or something real weird, you know? <laughs> because it was, it was, she was, she had set herself up for a lot of weird years. So you got the weird Christian Bible thumper one and like, look, nothing against religious people. Oh yeah, people. she's, she's with the, uh, she's Kirk, with Cameron, the Kirk Cameron is her brother and he's like super what? crazy. Cameron, oh. Candace Cameron. Oh my God, of course. Oh my God, the Left Behind twins! Yes. Oh my God! Right, so so Candace Cameron is like all Jesus freak, like her brother. And again, we're not talking poorly about religious people. We are simply saying that Kirk Cameron's like vision of like religion is crazy as hell. He will not kiss any woman on camp who is not his wife. So his wife has to be a stand-in if he's in a movie and like. Oh yeah, and he won't take off his wedding band. No, right? so they have to like paint over it or something. Yeah, like so like he was in this movie called like about based on some sort of book about basically like some sort of the marriage test or some terrible thing. And the whole thing is about how this couple is going through problems and they take this test to fall back in love and like get their vows together and whatnot. And at the end he kisses her and it's supposed to be very passionate, but they had to do it silhouetted because he had to kiss his wife. He couldn't kiss the actress who was playing his wife in the movie. Oh my God. Does he know they're not real kisses? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Um, but, but no. So, and then Jodie Speeton, obviously I read her biography um, a just a, a barely a unsweetened is what it's called <laughs> unsweetened, which was through her second marriage, and I think it was before she married the third guy that she's also now divorced from. Um, but she like was fine, and then went to college in Orange County and was bored and started doing meth because she was bored all day, and her mm -hmm. husband was a police officer, and she was like, "Well, this is what I'll do with my life." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she came out about it after she got arrested and went to rehab and stuff, and then she did rehab and she was giving like public speeches and she was like secretly still a meth head. Mm -hmm. And then she got with another guy and had a baby and then they got divorced. And now she's, then she married some other more normal guy and had a baby and now they're divorced. And now she's reviving a character that she started playing when she was five years old. Uh, so you guys, so, okay. But, um, but, what happened with the New York Post and what happened with Keith Olbermann? I we need to hear these stories. Oh yeah, well Keith Olbermann was the best thing ever. I love so him fun. so much. It was so fun, and you know he was like he was like being nice about it. Of course, stuff, but he was ripping us. Yeah. Uh, was so like, what did he say? I was the world's worst in sports, mm -hmm. and he does amazing. Uh, world's worst, like a three minute thing. Yes, because he used to do this thing when he was on MSNBC called the worst person in the world, mm -hmm. and he would do like the the the, the uh, like the third worst, the the second worst, and the first worst. We were the worst. You're yes. the worst person in sports. It's amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like um, we found, like Matt. It was like a day that was really crazy, and Matt had gone to bed, and then I found it, and then he like runs in, and he's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but it was like totally a dream. And then of course, uh, and then we blew up that picture and made it our headshots. Of course, <laughs> I think mean, the world's worst. Very proud of that. And then New York Post uh, wrote a takedown piece. And what did they call you guys again? Oh, was, they said the the Tony Hardy Nancy Kerrigan Museum is the worst idea ever. <laughs> it's like worse than ISIS. <laughs> 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 and it just calls like uh, a Daily Beast uh, said something about like hipster hell, and then uh, um, but they but Beast. they hate but uh, this guy like who's like uh, like oh he was just calling us terrible hipster people and, like and mad that, I mean like we're comedians we're not hipsters like you know but whatever uh, but like he uh, but then he was like so offended that we wouldn't show people our address and stuff it's like. It's like, you've said terrible things about me. Why should yeah. I show you? Oh, yeah, yeah, because you're going to breed hate in someone, and they're going to want to teach us a lesson. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's post our address everywhere. He also got it where he said we were charging, like, for admission, but we're not. It's totally free to come by. Yeah, and the Kickstarter, we had, like, $75 for the package, yeah. but it's been free to come in. Uh, we're not good at monetizing things. <laughs> Clearly. That's why we still have day are, jobs. Are, are, are you guys um, charging, like, are, are you offering people the Diet Coke, the half can of Diet Coke? We give them, we, we buy them, them we Diet Coke. We keep giving them Diet Coke. We buy them Diet Coke and then give them. We're losing so much money on this. <laughs> and we don't even get like the full, we're too lazy to get like a giant pack of Diet Coke. So we go to the we bodega. Go to the, we pay, pay per, per Diet Coke, we pay the money. Oh we're my God. dollar per person that comes in. But we, like, Wait, your bodega has dollar Diet Cokes? Because I, I have one that's $1.50, like one bodega that charges $1.50 for so a 20. can? No, for a 20 ounce. Oh no, we're going to do cans. Oh, the cans. Okay, but, dollar, that's fine. But then sometimes people ask for, if they if we have like a donation bucket and we'll just be like, okay, we're going to turn around and we close our <laughs> eyes and say like, if you want to leave money, you can, but we don't want to see it. <laughs> um, but if anybody out there knows how to monetize this, please contact us. Yeah, please contact Matt and Viviana. And you guys are also comedians, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So where do you guys perform and where can people catch you? We're actually going to start a show coming up soon. Mm -hmm. We're still in the early stages. Um, but it's going to be a show where we we get together at a bar and we watch a House Hunters episode. Um, it's a really good idea, <laughs> It is. That's a really good idea. You would watch that, right, Brett? Um. <laughs> and you like us, right, Brett? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Brett. We'll see you there. <laughs> come on, Brett. When you come Brett to New York to hang, when you when you, do, when you when you come to New York to hang with Grant and I, you'll watch. We'll watch Matt and Viviana watch a House Hunters episode. Yeah, we'll all watch together, and then yeah. we'll say like, which house should they take? <laughs> it's gonna be really fun. Good, yeah. And there's there's also so many options. We can watch Tiny House Hunters. Yeah, too, which is also a very yeah. good show. Yeah, we can watch International House Hunters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, there's options. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then uh, we'll just like do fun stuff like that. It's gonna be called Matt and Viviana Leave the House. <laughs> Is a working. Uh, is the thing. working title. Yeah. And and where can people find you guys online? Oh, um, at Matt and Viviana on Twitter, and then um, thnk1994.com. So if you want to come to a tour um, or just say hi, you can contact us through there. Um, and then our email is Matt and Viviana at Gmail. And then we're both on Instagram, but we have separate Instagrams. Yeah. And we're on Facebook. Um, just put Matt and Viviana and find us. And Do you have Matt and Viviana.com? No, just thnk1994.com. Mm. Um, so, so, Brett, where can people find you? Uh, I'm always TT Scoff everywhere, at, except at brettterpster.com. And do you have anything going on this week other than Stretch Link that you want to pimp? Um, well, those awesome wallpapers that I put heart and soul into will be up on my blog at brettterpster.com in the morning. Uh, this is Thursday. They'll be up Friday morning. Other than that, no. I have a... Okay. I, I have a Ton of ton of stuff on the verge, on the verge. 
but not not public yet. And not on theverge.com, just on the verge in, in, in terms of a, a phrase. That is absolutely correct. I just wanted to make sure that you weren't like working for my competition because that would be weird. I am not. Although I, Actually, I, I, I told Federico that I wanted to come write for Max stories, so that might happen. That'd be awesome. You that should write be. for Max stories. I'd feel at home there. You would. I mean, especially now that Tua is dead, RIP. Um, well, you, people can find me at uh, film underscore girl on the Twitters and um, at mashable.com where I sometimes write stuff and increasingly periscope um, random things. This week, my most popular periscope was me talking about the Kardashians and the Bruce Jenner interview, mm. um, which obviously has a ton of things that are related to tech. Clearly, that's very tech-oriented, but hey, it's what I do. <laughs> um, so, uh, Matt and Viviana, thank you both so much for joining us. Oh, man, thank you. Thank you. It was so much fun. This was, this was a really weird podcast. I know that, Brett, like you said, like the least you've ever said, and I feel bad for you because you seemed out of place. Because you weren't here, and because this was weird overtired, but I really had a good time. Weird good. Weird good. Weird. Very weird good. Very weird good. <laughs> very weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so everybody. So, <laughs> all right, so uh, that's uh, that's it for us, you guys, and uh, get some sleep, right? Yeah, get some sleep, all of you. <laughs> <laughs>